Heels has premiered in a big way, with Jack Spade and Ace Spade squaring off for the Duffy Wrestling League Championship. But the finish keeps changing, and with Ace being scouted for a spot up north, Jack goes into business for himself. We're talking Heels Season 1, Episode 1 on Pro Wrestling Repackaged. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. My name is Chris. And my name is Tessa. And this is Pro Wrestling Repackaged, where the squared circle meets the small screen. In this episode, we'll be discussing the series premiere of Heels, Season 1, Episode 1, Kayfabe. And boy, there is a lot to discuss, so let's dive right in. This episode was directed by Peter Seagal, Siegel, Sagal. Probably Seagal. One of them. And written by Michael Waldron. Now, I know you had a note about this director. So this guy's credits are very interesting. So Heels, of course, we'll get into it. It's a drama. There's a lot of, you know, serious stuff that's going to happen here. But when you look at the director's film credits, you have the 1995 Chris Farley, David Spade film, Tommy Boy, the Nutty Professor 2, Anger Management, 51st Dates, The Longest Yard, Get Smart, My Spy, starring Dave Batista. <laughs> These are all comedies. Tragic comedies, some of well, them. <laughs> so his directing here is really interesting to me because it seems very outside of what he usually does. This is a full-on full-fledged, four-alarm stars drama. And there is no mistaking it for a comedy. There are some funny moments, some maybe unintentionally, (laughs) but bang-up job by Peter Seagal. I'm just going to call him Seagal. Seagal. I'm just going to pretend that he's related to Steven Seagal (laughs) somehow. But yeah, I I think (laughs) from a directorial standpoint, just to get into right into it, I think this is a very well-made show. I think it, it looks great. It feels great for this aesthetic, which is something that I'm not normally into. I think I was able to get into it right away. I had no qualms about any of that. Maybe the intro, specifically <laughs> the the music, left a bit to be desired, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think you feel similarly. Yeah, I usually like Band of Horses. That's the singer uh, who did this theme is the lead singer of Band of Horses. But I, it doesn't, I don't think it fits for wrestling. It's really ethereal. And I don't think that works here. <laughs> yes. A resounding nay from this podcast. Get it? Because Band of Horses. See, <laughs> see. Tessa, why don't you tell us what happened this episode? Sure. So in the series premiere, Jack Spade has been trying to grow the Duffy Wrestling League, which is just a horrible name, <laughs> ever since he took over when his father passed away. He has full control. He decides who wins and who loses. Meanwhile, his brother Ace He's kind of the golden child. He's just returned. The fans love him. He's bringing in more money to the DWL. But the big leagues want him, so he probably won't be there for very long. No. He he will not. His stay at the Duffy Dome will be be quite (laughs) short. I know you like that name, Duffy Dome. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of what it kept reminding me of, but then I finally realized it's it just, I keep thinking of Doug Dimmodome, the owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome, every <laughs> single time, Duffy Dome, Dimmodome. <laughs> Classic. And I'm sure that was completely intentional. Of course. I'm sure that this whole thing I is think, the big Fairly Odd Parents 
reference. I mean, the two things go hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the the cross section is there. I think the audiences (laughs) are, they probably cross over a lot. So let us know if you came here from like a Fairly Odd Parents podcast and you found us. It makes sense. We're talking about heels. It it makes complete sense. (laughs) Overall, though, I think this was a very strong pilot. And I'm definitely curious to see where the story goes. In our preview episode, I think we mentioned a few concerns, maybe just some stylistic choices, or in my case, listening to Southern accents for an hour, (laughs) you know, and things like that, that are not typically my cup of tea that I was willing to look past. And I'm glad I did. I really liked this pilot. I've been looking forward to this show for quite some time, just based on, as I mentioned in the preview, who is involved here? You got Stephen Amell, you got Mike O'Malley, you got CM Punk making a guest appearance here, possibly Mick Foley, and you have a really talented slate of actors also as well, which we, you know, got to see in this episode and more to be revealed, I'm sure, as as the episodes go on. But I'm curious to know what you think overall, just before we dive into some character breakdowns and then talk about the story. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think it's a really strong show. It's not something that I am I would usually be drawn to. It's not a show that's really my thing. I don't know if I would have watched it if it wasn't related to wrestling. I probably wouldn't have. Um, but it's about what I expected uh, so far. You know, high drama. I'm really interested in the side characters more so than the two brothers. Actually, my notes immediately were Jack stinks, Ace stinks. <laughs> we support Wild Bill and Wild Bill only. But then my opinion on him changed a little later, too. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. No longer the Wild Bill support section? I'm the Wild Bill fashion support section. But mm. I think... He's 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 got some problems. <laughs> okay, all right. We will explore all of that. So yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I think we both very much enjoyed it, and I think we're willing to see see it play out, see where it goes. I know for me, it hasn't like one hundred percent. Like I'm like I'm not all in. Right. Like it's not like you know season one episode one of Cobra Kai where I'm like <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, I gotta sign up for YouTube Red now. Like it's not like that level of excitement on my end, but it's a type of show where I think that it could, you know, potentially get to a point where I think I'd be pretty damn excited for this show every week and when it comes back for season two, hopefully. So a very strong start. A few little nitpicks that I have regarding (laughs) the wrestling side of things, of course. And that means nothing. Like it's, it's a television show. You know, there are so many shows and movies that everyone watches on a daily basis about real life things that are not factually accurate (laughs) and that are not. I mean, the news, you can watch the news and it's not factually accurate and no one bats an eye. But when it comes to something like this, it's like you better get every last goddamn detail about (laughs) pro wrestling right or that's it. You know, like it's it's like comic book fans in that regard, too. And I'm one of them. And, you know, I, I know what it's like and I know the game, but Nothing too important in the grand scheme of things. I think they're, I think this is an excellent job all around. I'm actually just more impressed that the wrestling itself was so seamless for me. Yeah. Whereas, you, you know, we've watched many other shows and movies that have incorporated wrestling, and that is not always the case. Yeah. I think, like, it helps that Heels isn't based off of anything in particular, whereas something like Glow or Young Rock... That's taking a very specific story that people are familiar with. Yeah, and the so story they can of the Dwayne easily, family. Yeah. <laughs> so they can easily 
nitpick that. This is a completely different thing. Whereas, you know, it is trying to very accurately, I'd say, portray wrestling. And I think it does a pretty good job so far anyway. I agree. I agree. Side note, one time when I was trying to record an intro for a Young Rock episode (laughs) review, I was trying to say the Johnson family and what came out of my mouth like three or four times actually was the Dwayne family. And although I cut it, Tessa has never let me forget it. (laughs) So the Dwayne family finally making their debut on the podcast. So we're very excited about that as well. I think what we'll do now is we'll move into maybe some character breakdowns because we met a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. We met like a dozen or more characters, main characters, or at least strong side characters for this show. And while it's not everyone yet, and we will certainly get more of some of them in the coming episodes from what we know, we did get a lot of this man, Jack Spade, (laughs) played by Stephen Amell. Played, I think, uh, probably to perfection because- This is like, this is eerie how he, for me, disappears into this role. I mean, and this is a guy I I was watching for eight years as Oliver Queen on Arrow. Not once, except for, except for this one thought. Ooh, yeah, that looks like something Oliver would have worn. Because it basically was something (laughs) Oliver would have worn when he was just wearing like a sweater and the kind of jeans he was wearing and the kind of boots he was wearing. I was like, yeah, that's casual Oliver garb. But not once did I think of Oliver Queen. You know, the accent helps, the Mm -hmm. different accent. Just his demeanor, though, and the way he plays this character of Jack Spade, who is the top heel of the DWL, the current reigning champion for the DWL, and just overall (laughs) hard-ass. He disappears into this role. I I think he's really effective in this role. Yeah, I don't have anything to compare this to because I've never really seen him in anything else. You might have had Arrow on, you might have been watching it and I wasn't paying attention at some point. So I don't really know what his acting's like otherwise. I know he's not Southern. <laughs> so he's, He's very much not Southern. In fact, he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think he does really well here. I do want to say, though, is there not a conflict of interest here with his character? How so? I mean... Not Nothing to do with him, nothing to do with Stephen Amell, just the character of Jack Spade. He's not only the reigning champion of the DWL, he's the booker. Well, (laughs) I mean, all you have to do is look at the long lineage of wrestlers booking themselves on top throughout the history of pro wrestling. I mean, I think this, I think that makes it, in fact, more accurate (laughs) to the era of wrestling that it is trying to portray here. It's a bit of a throwback to your 70s, 80s, territorial days and happening in a modern world. And there are some aspects about it that are a little bit anachronistic. Like it's weird Mm -hmm. to see people pull out cell phones in this world because it's like this little Duffy itself. Duffy Georgia is like this little town that time forgot type of thing. And they really down to small details did a great job of setting up this world and how it's just a little bit different from any other territory or any other independent regional wrestling promotion that you might find in the present day. Right. Yeah. It really has this small town down home feel to it, which I don't think exists in modern wrestling anymore because of the internet. And you have him, Jack's, you know, sharing matches online, like he's posting them to YouTube so he can get a bigger audience. But I do wonder if a larger audience would kind of 
hinder something like DWL. And that in itself feels anachronistic because to me, a guy like Jack Spade, it's this small town mindset that he seems to carry with everything in this tr- mindset of tradition. It almost feels like he wouldn't want to put his matches online. It almost feels yeah. like he'd be like, no, you come to the Duffy Dome or you don't <laughs> see it. Yeah. But And that's interesting because he knows that he has no chance, no, no choice but to try and compete with other promotions. One in One in particular <laughs> that we will touch on in a little bit that I'm very excited to talk about. But he has no choice. And it's interesting to see him, uh, Stephen Amell portraying this guy who's kind of caught between the tradition of his father and what he laid forth with the DWL and everything that he wants to adhere to and hold and, and preserve in that way. But it's almost like he wants to just like douse this wrestling promotion in formaldehyde and like put it, you know, put it in mothballs and like just put it in the closet and preserve it as is, but also still run it and have it bring in business and bring in money and bring in fans. So he's a very complicated character in that he's kind of at odds just with where the world is at in terms of wrestling, in terms of we know that a WWE exists, Mm -hmm. at least it is alluded to. Vince McMahon is is named by name. Yeah. In this, we know TNA doesn't exist, (laughs) but WWE does exist. And we know he does have that in the back of his mind at all times. And he's also kind of a delusional character in that he thinks that he could be competition. As Duffy Wrestling League, because you know he wouldn't change the name. No. That's not realistic. I get the desire to grow and, you know, become bigger and not just be contained to this small little town. But let's keep our, you know, expectations level here. No, I think he's very much a guy who he has his mind set to one thing. This is the way it works. This is we need to just very it's very rigid. It is you cannot go off script. Right. And his script is everything. That is the law. And that's one thing that I think some people have been kind of dunking on, you know, early on (laughs) in the reaction in this show is, yeah, we've seen, yeah, the meme of him writing choke slam. And really, the thing that bothered me was the space in between choke and slam. It's one word. (laughs) But But, you know, if you can get past that aspect of it, of where, yeah, he's sitting there writing out a script for a wrestling show, writing out. (laughs) writing out sequences and moves in the typewriter font just to make it feel a little bit more. I'm surprised he's not using a typewriter. He seems like that type of guy. No, he's got his MacBook. He seems like he'd be (laughs) using a typewriter, but he needs to stick to the script because he needs to maintain control. And the aspect of control is something that I'm sure we'll see explored very much in depth with this character because he is all about the control and he doesn't leave anything to chance and he doesn't like it when anyone deviates from his word. And I suspect the more we learn about his father, the more that'll maybe start to make sense. Right. Yeah. Because he's you get little glimpses of like criticisms of his dad, whether it's his dad's inability to grow this promotion or just I think his dad had a lot of problems, you know, as typical of most 70s, 80s wrestlers. So I think we're going to delve into that. And he probably really doesn't want to be like that. And that's probably why he has problems with Ace. I'm interested, particularly if the NWA exists in this universe Mm. within the reality of the show. And if so, why isn't this promotion, or why wasn't it an NWA affiliate? 
Maybe yeah. it was, <laughs> but it seems like the type of thing where it's like, yeah, it's kind of this like outlaw promotion. It's its own thing. It has its own dedicated building. And it, that type of thing where it kind of feels like, well, it's us against everyone else. And I think he has that mindset. So this will be a very complex character, maybe the most complex of the show. Definitely, I think Stephen Amell is up to the task here. I think he did a great job portraying even just what we know of him from just from episode one. I think he's he's knocked it out of the park so far. Yeah, I still don't like this character. <laughs> I was worried that I wouldn't. But by the time he was <laughs> mean mugging those kids oh, yeah. on the side of the road I mean, he has and his... making them run away, I was like, OK, this is kind of this is kind of actually fun when he just craps on people and, you know, yeah. works, works the gimmick <laughs> throughout his life. He has his moments, but like overall, I don't think I'm going to like him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we will see. We shall see. But now we will move on to the other Spade brother. It's kind of ridiculous that these are, are these their real names, Jack and Ace? You know, I think they are. I think their dad thought that they, that he was being really clever. <laughs> oh, um, man. Because what his, his nickname was King Spade or whatever. And... Yeah, I thought he I think he thinks that he really did something with these names. I don't think the mom had any choice. I can't wait until Uncle Joker comes into town. <laughs> so Ace Spade, played by Alexander Ludwig, he is the face of DWL. He's the baby face, the big returning hometown boy. Mm -hmm. And when business was down, Ace brought the crowds back. But they there could not be two more diametrically opposed brothers than Jack and Ace. They are basically two completely different people, but they share one trait in that they're both very stupid and very <laughs> stubborn. They're actually two traits, very stupid and very stubborn. Yeah. So you have Jack who like seems to take everything just way too seriously. And then Ace just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he's just kind of a burnout. He yeah. kind of just like floats through life wearing the same cut off flannel. Not only he doesn't seem to take wrestling too seriously. Like he just he's like, it's just guys running around in costumes or whatever he says. It's but supposed he, to be fun. Yeah. Which is, which is like is fair. He, and he so he's coming at it from the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum mm -hmm. that Jack does in that Jack says not at the expense of being good. Right. So it's like. Yeah, Jack's going to be the stick in the mud because he wants to tell a good story and this is his art. Right. And Ace is just like, well, screw this. It's wrestling. It's fun. There's no art to it. It's just kind of fun. And like they both have good points here, but I think so far they're both trash. <laughs> yes. And as we will see over the course of time, if they're able to come to the middle and meet in the middle, that is where you get the best of both worlds and that's where you find balance. So... I'm very curious because I predicted in the preview episode, eventually they're going to have to work together. Eventually they're going to be aligned at some point. I don't know if it would happen this season or next season, but I'm curious to see where they go with this because at the way they leave this episode with Jack going into business for himself, right? that seems like it would cause more of a rift than anything. That felt more like a season end. Yes, but we're, but not, we'll we're, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> but Ace... He is just a wild man. He kind of mm. looks like a cross between Edge and Heath Slater. <laughs> and then you learn that Alexander Ludwig, he's, you know, he worked with Edge. 
on Vikings and their friends, yeah. and he went to him for advice. So I wonder if he was a little inspired by the rated R superstar. <laughs> Ooh, maybe, maybe Jack is going to bring in a character played by Edge as like fake Ace. Like remember oh. fake Diesel and fake Razor? <laughs> Ace, Ace goes up north and he brings in a fake Ace. Oh, that'd be funny. That'd be pretty hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, so even just physically, they are very different from each other. Ace has got the long blonde hair and Jack has has got this shaved head. He's he's all business. There's not a lot of flash to him. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that he wears a leather vest that makes him look like he's a member of Aces and Eights. I guess pun intended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> but and then you have Ace. He's got the he's got tattoos. He's a wild he, man. He's I, that's like the sign. He's got long hair and he's got tattoos. He's the rebel. Yeah. But the good guy. Good but the, guy. But the good quotes. guy. And the fans love him. And he is clearly the most popular wrestler. At least from what we have seen in the pilot, he is the most popular wrestler. But again, he doesn't take any of this anywhere near as seriously. And this is not as important to him. And maybe in some aspects. But I think the fact that Jack has taken everything on himself has very much freed Ace up to be this free spirit. Right. And, you know, it makes me wonder, where was Ace? prior to this because he's clearly a trained wrestler jack when he talks about him kind of makes it seem like he's a nobody and he's brand new to everything but clearly this was an anticipated return i wish we could have seen like that here's what dwl was doing prior to ace here's what happened when he just snaps back i'd like to know where he was before yeah still many blanks to be filled in but They've got, what, seven more episodes to do so? And these are pretty long episodes. Yes. So I will say it didn't feel quite as long as it was. I think it flew by pretty fast. And we watched it twice, actually. So I think that says a lot about how strong the pilot was. But we'll move on now to Jack's wife, Stacy Spade, played by Allison Luff. So she's just one of the most solid humans. I think probably the most solid human that we have met so far. Yeah in this universe, in Duffy. And she's uh, very frugal as well. She is a notable penny pincher. She <laughs> she refers to herself as the penny pincher of the family. And you know what? Times are tough. Yeah. Your business is down. <laughs> Only yeah. because of your brother-in-law, you're starting to pack out the house now. But still, you can't just be buying fog machines and GoPros willy-nilly. You know, you, you, you got to tighten up, and, you know, and it's not like the building is in great shape. It has right. a leak in it, as we know. So Stacy is just, you know, it, it seems like she'd be very frustrated trying to deal with Jack and rein him in from these unnecessary purchases or he's not shopping around. He's not getting the good deal. She's got the coupons. She's got a whole coupon book. And it's not only that, it's not even just like he's spending all this money on wrestling He's not focusing on anything else, and she wants that time for the family. They don't seem to do anything together as a family, except sometimes he goes to church with them. Right. And even on those days, because that's match day, he's kind of all over the place and just thinking about wrestling. She wants this connection. She wants him to even just save some money to buy their son a baseball bat. (laughs) But he's just like, nope, need those fog machines. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, wrestling is the number one priority for him. You know, everything else, his family, his wife and kid come second. But for Stacy, I mean, she adores her husband. Mm-hmm. 
And all she wants is, you know, to spend a little bit more time together, go make out in a movie theater like they used to, you know, before they had a kid. You know, they're at the point now where their kid is, you know, he's what he's probably like eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be constantly parenting in the way that you do when you are when you have a younger kid, you know, a kid that's younger than that. So she wants to kind of rekindle the flame a little bit, it seems like. And, you know, she tries to right before church. I mean, (laughs) which led to my least favorite quote of the episode, which we will never utter on this podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, But yeah, Stacy, you know, she's just a very she's kind of like a ray of sunshine. She's the complete again. She's like the complete opposite of Jack in that, you know, she lights up a room when she walks into it. And when Jack walks into a room with Hardcore Holly's theme playing, (laughs) he just completely the the mood changes and it's like someone pulls the someone pulls the the power cord out of the jukebox in a diner it's like that's what it is yeah he walks in and you know he's it's like Biff Tannen walking <laughs> in I really like Stacy so far I'd like to see more of her I think she's probably going to be one of the smartest characters we see on this show and she's just trying to live in this basically just a sexist city that is Duffy (laughs) because she even like is like let me go back to work I'll help and he's like no the women in my family a woman's place is in the kitchen (laughs) barefoot sewing my wrestling gear pretty much he's like my mom didn't work he's like like my wife isn't gonna work he's like Jeff Jarrett during his feud with China basically is this man? No, it's, it's, Jeff Jarrett's it's, funnier. It's, it's not that extreme. Yes, <laughs> yeah. except that was yeah. Like, all right, that was pretty entertaining. But there is some room to grow here for mm-hmm. this character of Jack. And I don't know from things that we've heard and reviews that we've read. I don't know if he gets there this season. Yeah. So he seems like he'll be very frustrating, not only for Stacy but for us as well. Yeah. At times, he like I said, I said this in the last episode. He's like the worst type of person for me. Oh, you're gonna have. Stephen Amell, Olicity fans in your mentions. It's nothing against Stephen Amell. I think he plays the it character. Doesn't matter. He plays the character really well. It doesn't matter. But You've already sealed your fate. <laughs> it's nothing about him. The Olicity shippers are gonna dunk on our podcast for the till until the end of time. Or as I call them. Oil City. Okay, now you've done it. <laughs> but now that's because it. we live near Oil City. Okay, don't tell don't tell them where we live. They're gonna come for Oil us. Oil City's not that close. <laughs> oh, man. Well, as we mentioned, Stacy and Jack, they have a kid named Thomas, named after Jack's father. And Thomas is played by Roxton Garcia. And what we see of this kid, we know one thing. He loves his uncle Ace. More than his dad. It, <laughs> it would appear. He's he's his uncle Ace's biggest fan and so he is crushed at the mm-hmm. end of the episode <laughs> yeah when that happens when the duffy screw job takes place but we don't get too much of him in this episode but what we do get is effective because it sets up a lot for jack's character in that hey this is the kind of guy that even his son <laughs> will not cheer for him <laughs> at a wrestling show his wife does she does but his son yeah. he's he's cheering for uncle ace well, you know, the kid is probably still in that mindset of my dad's the bad guy. He's he's playing the bad guy. He's a bad dude. He's talking crap about my town. He's talking crap about me. Right. Well, I mean, there, there are two things. It's either he sees his dad being a bad guy and he's like, oh, my dad's a jerk. I like my yeah. uncle better. He's more fun. Or the kid is smartened up. 
Well, and he knows that he has a role to play as well, and that is to boo the heel. Right. It's probably not far off from what he's the kid's dealing with in real life, because as we said, dad's very focused on wrestling and wrestling only, and he's probably not very fun to be around. So it's probably pretty easy to start booing him. Let, let me ask you, do you think what we saw Jack do to those kids when he was sitting at the stoplight while he was driving and he scared him away, do you think he just walked into a room and does that? <laughs> To little Thomas. I don't think he's terrorizing his kid in his I own home, see that. but that'd be funny. I don't think, I, I think Thomas probably just easily gets in, in the heat of the moment at the shows. He like is able to just ignore that that's his dad. And he just knows that his, his uncle is his fun loving uncle who like makes him laugh during church. So he just automatically goes to that because, you know, it's like you're never seeing your parents in the best light, you kind of always, you see these other relatives and you're like, those are the fun ones. They let yeah. me do things. They let me get away with things. So it's probably just second nature to him to not like what his dad's doing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, speaking of people who are kind of jerks, <laughs> we have Jack, who's the first jerk. I mean, Ace is kind of a jerk as He's well. He's a jerk, too. He's kind of a jerk as He's well. He's a what big he, jerk. What he does to that cashier. And but, how he treats Crystal. And how he treats mm -hmm. Crystal. Yeah, actually, you know what? He's a jerk. Screw Ace. I don't, yeah. He's don't, an even bigger jerk than Jack. I don't like either of them. <laughs> but let's add to the jerk club another character named Willie Day, <laughs> who is played by Mary McCormick. And she is, it says here, Jack's business partner. I don't really know what she does exactly. She is the producer of yeah. the show. She looks like she's also the director of the show. She yeah. looks like she just runs. She's the overall showrunner and point person for anything that is kind of out of Jack's purview while he's focusing on other things. She seems like she gets stuff done, mm -hmm. but she also does it in kind of an ornery way. And she just has this way about her that she's just very prickly very rough to deal with, very rude, in, in particular to one character. She just walks into the rock locker room and calls everyone assholes. She's that kind of character. And yeah. so we see this gruff side of her, and it leads you to believe that eventually maybe she'll come around and something will happen and we'll see a different side to her. But for now, she's in the jerk club. I would say, you know, men get away with this kind of behavior all the time, so... She can stay a jerk if she wants to. She doesn't have to come around and have a softer side. But that doesn't mean I'm going to like her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I get it. If she's been, you know, working in this wrestling scene for a really long time, she's probably had to toughen up and be a jerk as, you know, clearly up until Crystal has shown up, probably the only woman really around. So she, her attitude, I guess, is kind of justified, but she's still rude. I don't know where I saw this, but I think I saw something that would point to her possibly being a former valet herself. I, I believe so that. So I think that's probably why she has a lot of that kind of attitude towards Crystal, who we will move over to now because we love Crystal. I love Crystal. Crystal Tyler, played by Kelly Berglund, an, an instant favorite in this household. Mm -hmm. Ace's valet and like... I guess kind of his girlfriend, but not really. But he makes out with her and then they get nudie in the locker room when people are taking dumps. But <laughs> he'd leave her in a second and in, he's already talking about it. And In her mind, they're together. That's the only person she's with. And she's been clearly thinking of him for a really long time. Since high school days. Since high school. He 
will drop her in an instant. And so I that's why I don't like him. Because <laughs> she's yeah. so nice. The more I think so- about it, the bigger the jerk Ace is. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. He's talking about sleeping with other women in the middle of, of the, like, little grocery store or whatever. And she's like, you're going to take me with you, right, when you leave. And he doesn't He doesn't respond. even look at her. He doesn't... <sighs> She deserves so much better. That's that's the only thing. And any interaction she has with any character in the show so far in the, in the premiere, I'm just like, she deserves so much better. Just go, leave, go somewhere else, please. Not you don't only, need to stay here. Not only does she have to put up with this treatment from Ace, but also just in the company in general, mm-hmm. she is capable of so much more. She wants to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that she has an innate aptitude, an innate understanding of wrestling. She's up in the rafters giving pointers to the guys. And yet, she can't change in the locker room. And she's constantly being berated by Willie. Right. Because women don't wrestle in the Duffy Wrestling League in, presumably, 2021. Right. And you even have Jack... Like, she came up with a whole wrestling sequence she for— the finish. Yeah, for, for Ace and Jack's match. Doesn't get any credit for it. Jack completely belittles her at first. But he does come around to give he her does. credit later when he's belittling Ace. Right. So it's just like, wh- whoever side he's not on at that moment, he's going to belittle whoever's— But it shows you that he does, at least in some small way, recognize— right that ability that she has, right. maybe he'll utilize that in the future. I would like to see that on one hand, but I'd also just, I want to see her get the respect she deserves, and I don't think she's going to get it here. What I want to see is her go down to Florida Wrestling Dystopia yeah. <laughs> and book the shit out of the territory and put the Duffy Wrestling League out of business. Do it. Crystal, do, <laughs> do it. it. We believe in you. Do it. She's my favorite so far. Yeah, she's great. She's mm-hmm. she. There is nothing unlikable about her. And no. every character that we've met so far, every main character, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe you can see a little bit of yourself. Maybe you can see flashes of things that maybe you will enjoy in the future. Or maybe you just like them outright, even though they have flaws. But with Crystal, she's just presented as she's awesome. Her only downfall is that she, for some reason, likes Ace. Well, she's a small town girl. Yeah. She just deserves She's a small town girl. She's very naive in that way. Not she doesn't seem completely naive in life. She seems like she can fend for herself. But in in this way, she kind she clearly fell for this guy early on. She saw a vulnerability in him and Mm -hmm. and that is what attracted her to him. Not not the big persona. It's the vulnerability that she saw in him and that he, much like his brother, you know, it's not a common thing that you see that often. He Especially, won't even yeah. he won't even look at her and and be honest with her about his plans, right. about what he's what he's going to do. So, I I could totally see how you know she could feel one way about a, a side of him that maybe we haven't even seen yet. My hope is that you know at, by the end of this episode, you know, we see that she kind of finally gets that he's probably not as into her as she is into him, that maybe it kind of clicks for her and we'll see her kind of not just be falling all over him in the next episode, but come on, Crystal. Come on. Come on. It's time to reshuffle the deck. Come on. Pick a different card. (laughs) 
Let's move on now to some of the members of the DWL locker room. First, let's start off with Rooster Robbins, my personal favorite so far, Mm -hmm. played by Alan Maldonado. And Rooster Robbins immediately stands out because I think he's the most charismatic of the bunch here. Yes. And he's definitely got the wildest gimmick of the bunch. And he's just very entertaining, very funny, very quick wit, very, uh, he, he, Seems like he likes to run his mouth, but in a different way than Jack and Ace do. I could just listen to him talk all day. Yeah, I don't really know what his gimmick actually is. He's a, he's a rooster. Right. Allison Chains wrote a song about him. <laughs> I don't really, we don't really get a sense of what he does, who he is yet. But yeah, I agree. He's probably my favorite of these. He's a lot <laughs> these of these guys. He's he's a lot of fun, and I think he's going to bring a lot of the levity, mm-hmm. along with other members of the locker room as well. But he is immediately the most charming of the bunch. He's kind of endearing because when we first see him, he's really going in on on Bobby Pin and criticizing him. But then later, when they actually have their match together, he he con- he compliments him <laughs> in the ring, and I just I like that little. The little bickering, then camaraderie come together at the sure, end. Sure, right. So, I mean, there's also, it's the wrestling business. There's going to be ribbing. Right. There's going to be people giving people a hard time. But he probably named him Bobby Pin. He's, <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, he seems like the type of guy who it's like, yeah, no, once, once you earn his respect and you get on his good side, then he'll be buddies with you. So another member of the DWL locker room that we meet this episode is Apocalypse played by James Harrison who I believe was a football player yeah he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for an extended period of time so his name will probably sound familiar to western Pennsylvanians who are not me <laughs> cuz I don't follow football. (laughs) And neither do I. But man, this guy looks like a football player. This guy is built. He is the body guy of the promotion, it would seem. And he's described as an experienced but disillusioned journeyman wrestler. So this is a guy that's maybe, you know, getting towards the tail end of his career here. And he's definitely the big man on campus. He is just size-wise, like, man... This is this guy's as Taz would say, he's built like a brick, you know what house. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested, you know, we don't see a whole lot of him in this episode, but yeah, he is described as this disillusioned journeyman. So I really am interested to see his character going forward. What what was he doing in the past? What's his professional wrestling experience like? What has made him so disillusioned? Where was he? How did he end up here? Was he in WWE? Because you'd figure if Wild Bill is coming down to scout yeah. and he sees a guy with that kind of size, all he's got to do is is just say the word to Vince and you're going to get that gif with the series of reactions, <laughs> Vince reacting to Stacey Keebler. Just put Apocalypse on the other mm-hmm. side of that and there you go. Like, come on. But if he's older... He well, Vince yeah, seems to hard. not have an aversion to bringing back old jacked up guys. Well, yeah, that's true. like Bill Goldberg. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. He could have been up north, or maybe he, he was could've. in like a rival promotion, and oh, that's Vince true. doesn't yeah. want to touch oh, him, and so that's w- why WCW did exist. Yeah, in this universe, as we know. Oh yeah, because they talk about Sting and they talk Rick about Flair. Sting versus Flair. So Apocalypse, maybe he was in WCW. That could be it. 
I don't know what his age is. I have no <laughs> grasp of how old he would be, but maybe it's something like that. So then he just ends up in in Duffy. We'll move on next to Bobby Pin, played by Trey Tucker, who is a newcomer in the world of wrestling. He seems like kind of a goof. He yeah. seems like like Ace. He's not taking this all too seriously. He seems like he's just he's here to just have a good time. He, you know, kind of knows what he's doing, but not really because we see Crystal school him on how to give an elbow drop. So this is probably a guy who is like just at the, maybe he just finished training, but he's still not quite seasoned yet. Still very green. Yeah. Well, I think Bobby Pin being kind of a goof and not taking things seriously, I can allow that with him because he's clearly young and new to everything. Whereas with Ace, it's like, you're the face of this promotion. Get your act together. We can we can give Bobby Pin a little a little leeway here. Yeah, he's he's very far from the top of the card. So he's playing, you know, his the name Bobby Pin, first <laughs> of all, it sounds like a woman's wrestling gimmick. So you That's do wonder the if the name was given as a rib. And second, it's also kind of a great name for a jobber. <laughs> funny <laughs> so maybe that's his role maybe he's just the low man he's the he's the problem dragon of the <laughs> dwl i love him i love problem dragon so there you go well we'll move on now to one of the bigger personalities that we met in this episode wild bill hancock played by chris bauer <laughs> played played i think masterfully yes. by chris bauer yeah and this this is this is a former star so this is someone who was a genuine star in mm -hmm. wrestling. He came from the Duffy Wrestling League. He went to the big leagues. And now he's playing the role of talent scout. And he's coming back to look at Ace. <laughs> and he is an 80s wrestler. Yeah. If ever there was one. Yeah. he. I think he is everything that's wrong. With the 80s wrestling scene, you know, he, he comes in, he's popping pills. He's encouraging the young guys like Ace to pop pills. He has a sex tape out. He, has <laughs> he seems like he's an amalgamation of several yeah. 80s wrestlers. Knowing Chris Bauer's influences just from watching an interview that, that he did, you know, it's very clear that he is a student of particularly this era of wrestling and yeah. he's, he's paying you know very fine very close attention to the small details and i think that's part of what makes this character so wildly entertaining he's the epitome of trash and i do like my trash characters <laughs> you do i do like trash characters if they're like largely charismatic and they're big characters whereas like with jack and ace i'm just going to be annoyed with them the entire time <laughs> when you have wild bill his name's wild bill his name is wild <laughs> his name bill. is wild bill and he's dressed the way he is and it's just hard not to like him in some way <laughs> yeah when we were first seeing promotional photos and social media photos for this show he's immediately a guy where you're like oh wow what's this <laughs> i was instantly drawn to him like I hate him as a person, but I love trash. So I love him? <laughs> I guess you do. But I hate him? <laughs> well, love or hate or some weird amalgamation or something in between, he is going to be a very special fixture on this show because he's getting his own little segment. Yes, and is. what better a time <laughs> than now to 
officially have the first edition of the Wild Bill Fashion <laughs> Report or Wild Style, as we can call it. Yeah, so he shows up in this first episode. He's eye-catching. He's stealing every scene he's in just by wearing what he is. He's got a cowboy hat. He's got a snakeskin suit. Hopefully, I'm vegan, so hopefully it's fake. It probably isn't because he's trash. It's a look. It is a look. (laughs) It is a look. Eye-catching. Beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> Are you going to give any kind of rating to these these looks? Uh, is there any way we're going to mm. keep track of these? Is you know like how many snakeskin suits out of ten? Or... Out of ten, <laughs> I think for a first, this is our first look at him. I think you got to give it a ten. A ten? Oh wow! I mean, there's nowhere to go but down. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I the outfits I've seen in other like promotional photos not as good as this one. Okay, he could. Steal it again. Like, they're all pretty good. Just by virtue of, like, I think just his character. Like, he just, he wears it well just because it's who it is. Because that's part of what makes it. (laughs) That's part of what makes the outfits. But this might be the best one. Okay. We'll see. He he came to episode one with his A+. So I guess we'll see the trajectory (laughs) of... But, like, along with, you know, him being who he is and what he's wearing, you know, nobody... (laughs) outside of the wrestlers is really paying attention to him. And that blows my mind. Oh, yeah. He's just kind of standing in the crowd during the actual show. And no, it's not like people are walking up to him asking for autographs. If this man showed up, like, number one, he came from here. His face is on the walls. They have a whole billboard in town not promoting current shows, but promoting his matches that he had with Jack and Ace's dad. But nobody is fawning over this man. If he walked into my small town, everybody would be looking at him like, huh? <laughs> That's one of the things where I'm like, this doesn't quite make sense because it seems like he'd be a local legend and he made it on the big stage. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe current audiences just don't care that much. You know, like, but I don't look know. look at him. It, I don't know. I'm sorry. If a man like that walks into a little town, number one is not only a star from that town, but he is dressing like that. More people should be looking at him. Okay. I'm offended on his behalf. (laughs) Maybe he was mistaken for Vinnie Paul from Pantera, which is (laughs) who he immediately just gives me the vibe of. I just, it's, maybe it's the hat. It's the the hair, the the big head, (laughs) everything. Just like a snakeskin Vinnie Paul. It's like a mixture of like Vinnie Paul and Jimmy Hart. Give me Jimmy Hart vibes with like the suits. Like he's a good he's a good very, mixture. He's yeah. like an amalgamation of eighties wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just like if you could just spit out one person to embody eighties wrestling. That, by the way, is like the word of this episode. What <laughs> amalgamation? What is it? How do you pronounce it? Amalgamation. Amalgam- <laughs> You've said that like twenty times. Well, the joke's on you. I'm gonna go edit out every other instance <laughs> so you sound like a weirdo. Let's move on now from Wild Bill, who I think we've spent the most time on at this point. I love him. Let's move on now to the complete opposite of Wild Bill, Big Jim Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Just a just a solid guy, just a nice guy, played by Duke Davis Roberts. And boy, that's a name. It's, it's It sounds like, it just sounds like so many things. It sounds like baked beans. It sounds like, I don't know, 
Duke Davis Roberts. <laughs> it's a name. And you gotta you gotta do all three. DDR. <laughs> DDR Yoga. Big Jim Kitchen, played by Duke Davis Roberts. I just saying I just like saying Duke Davis Roberts. <laughs> but he's a nice guy in the ring. He's a nice guy out of the ring, or at least he's trying to be. And he is such a nice guy, in fact, that the very idea of turning heel is just out of the question for him. I respect that. He wants everyone in town to think he's a good guy because he wants to be a good guy. He doesn't want anybody to think badly of him. He wants. He just wants to be a good guy. He wants to be nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. His wife is pregnant. He's got. He's got a kid on the way. So yeah. he actually is retiring mm-hmm. after the big show. He he tells Jack he's retiring. Is this the last we see of Big Jim Kitchen? I sure hope not. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. So what does he do? I don't know. Like, is he retiring after that match? He said he was retiring. Yeah, I was a little unclear on that. So, yeah, we probably won't see him wrestling anymore. And, you know, yeah, he was kind of a surprise to me in this show because I don't think I had seen much of him in any promotional stuff. So, he, yeah, he's probably. And if you did, he doesn't really stand out. Right. But I think what makes him stand out on this show is just that he's really just a solid human and a nice guy. Yeah, I like him. I think he's going to... He's going to play some role in Duffy, just not wrestling. Right. He's probably going to be kind of a voice of reason, probably, between the two brothers who are just crazy. And that's what he plays in this <laughs> that's episode. That's what he is here. But ultimately, I think for nice guys like that in the wrestling business, which is full of snakes mm-hmm. and snakes can suits, <laughs> guys like that get eaten alive. And, yeah. you know, he goes out. If, he, if this is his last match, he goes out on top because he gets the win. But is it his last? We don't know. <laughs> we shall see. Speaking of Big Jim and his pregnant wife, Melanie Kitchen, first of all, a last name like Kitchen. Yeah, I don't like it. That's just, <laughs> that is like true small town. <laughs> I know you don't have any control over that sort of thing. Play, but... Played by Erica Pappas. Any relation to your family? <laughs> if she's, maybe she's, her family's from the same island as in Greece as mine. Maybe. Big Jim's very pregnant wife, who she's kind of the audience surrogate here. Yeah. She is not smartened up to wrestling, or at least not fully smartened up. So she has a lot of questions. Which is wild to me, because she's, again, very, very, very pregnant. I'd say probably, if not the full nine months, very close. So she's been with him for how long at this point? And she's still confused by everything. It's not like she's a brand new girlfriend coming around where maybe she is. We got hmm? (laughs) maybe he knocked her up right away. But she's but she's had like a good nine months to figure this stuff out. And she's asking questions now and confused by kayfabe. To be fair, wrestling is a very bizarre and confusing thing. But so (laughs) I'm glad that they do have an audience surrogate character here for the people who are watching the show who aren't obsessed with wrestling (laughs) to actually answer some of their questions that they might have, you know? Yeah. Although it is kind of, don't, don't call it fake. That (laughs) whole thing. She's like, okay, I think everyone kind of knows at this point. That's the joke. It's not fake. It's predetermined, you know, that type of thing. So it's like, I'm glad we got a little bit of that out of the way. And I don't know how much of an audience surrogate that she will continue to be, but yeah, Melanie Kitchen. Very pregnant. That's yeah. that's the big note about her. Very that's pregnant. Really, that's kind it's of like really she, all it she's is. gotta have triplets in there. And like that's part of the reason why Big Jim over here is retiring. 
you know, she thinks wrestling's dangerous. Maybe she shouldn't have gotten involved with a wrestler. <laughs> oh, no, she can just change him. Of course. She can just take away everything he loves yeah. in life. His passions. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I'm, I'm, she's but, giving birth to the kitchen sink over here. <laughs> but that's why I feel like this character would have worked a little better if it was like a new girlfriend coming around. I thought you were going to say a new girl like Zoe Deschanel. No. <laughs> We've been watching a lot of the celebrity dating game. <laughs> why isn't Michael Bolton the ring announcer? Please. Yeah. Why is there no ring announcer? Yeah. Why isn't there a ring announcer? <laughs> That's Michael so Bolton's available. And this is what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. What were we watching? I was like, that seems like it'd be kind of a no-brainer thing to incorporate. Because you could have anybody doing that. You yeah. could have anybody coming in and doing that. That's like a, a stereotypical Maybe. thing about wrestling that you would think that they would want to portray. It's interesting. Maybe no Big ring announcer. Jim. Maybe they had to fire the ring announcer. Maybe they weren't making enough money. Yeah. Maybe Big Jim will come in and just volunteer his Sunday nights. Or maybe his wife will be the ring announcer and she'll mm -hmm. just like dunk on everything. Rooster that Rob? What kind of a stupid name is this? Now, see... That'd be me. <laughs> that would be you I as a ring announcer. Would, I would do that. You'd just be making snide comments to yourself. That's why I'm not a ring announcer. That's, that's exactly why you're not a ring announcer. <laughs> Let's move on now to the last member of the DWL locker room that we really focus on for any amount of time this episode, which is Diego Cottonmouth, played by Robbie Ramos. Diego is a masked wrestler who may or may not get booed <laughs> because he's not white. It is unclear, although the subtext is there. I especially <laughs> like when Jack was booking the match and he said, oh yeah, I forgot who he said it to, but feel free to get the USA chant started. So mm. it's one of those crowds. Yeah, I mean, it's the South. That's why my my hopes aren't high for their reasonings. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for Diego here being the bad guy. It, I just get a vibe. We don't see a lot of him. We don't see a lot of crowd reaction. I think he had an autograph signing, though, outside the show. But I don't know. I get a vibe <laughs> yeah. from this whole scene. Yeah. You, you know, we get the sexism already. Yeah. Something, so... something, something doesn't smell quite right here. Yeah. But we will see. We will see what goes on in the Duffy Dome day in and day out. <laughs> But it seems like Diego is there to be another instance of comic relief mm -hmm. in the locker room. And that's very welcome, I think, in a show like this. You got to have your guys in the locker room be a good time. Right. Or else, you know, you got to have your Bobby Pins and your Rooster Robins and your Diego Cottonmouth. Apocalypse seems like a more serious dude. But we know at least the majority of the locker room, they seem like they're having a good time. And it's a party in there. So that provides a lot of the levity of the show. As time goes by, you know, I'm sure we'll meet some more members of the locker room and we'll get to know more about their personalities. But for now, the only other character that we really get a sense for in this episode is not a wrestler, but a promoter for a rival promotion. A promoter named Charlie Gully, played by Mike O'Malley himself. When I realized this, I could not believe it. I didn't realize he was playing a character. And I this might be my favorite character of the entire show, to he, be quite yeah. honest. He's going to be on, like, Wild Bill level. It, oh, yeah. It <laughs> is good. He might even exceed it. Yeah. He is the promoter of Florida Wrestling Dystopia, which, first of all, let's all just take a moment and just examine those three words. And just how right they are. <laughs> Florida wrestling dystopia. There's just the, the jokes write themselves there, but it's great. And the best part is 
that when we see Florida Wrestling Dystopia, when we see a little promo video for it, <laughs> it's footage of <laughs> TNA and not current TNA, not Impact no. Wrestling, but like TNA from 2005 with Abyss versus Samoa <laughs> Joe. You see clips of Rhino, maybe some other guys in there. Man, TNA repackaged in the world of heels as Florida Wrestling Dystopia and playing up the violence of it, showing clips of like Samoan Joe and Abyss using thumbtacks and matches and kind of just painting it as this car crash promotion, this hardcore, like almost ECW-esque promotion. And it's so funny to me because, again, you know, you have, this is the competition for the DWL and Jack's just like brushing it off as, you know, it being just like a car crash. And it's like, this is footage from over a decade ago. This isn't new. And we're still talking about this being in like 2020, 2021. It's standard definition footage. That's how yeah. that's how long ago it was, which is just kind of hilarious to me. And it just makes it even better, I think. I am so all funny. in on Florida Wrestling Dystopia. I hope we get to go to the whatever their version of the impact zone is. I guess we got I, ho to. I hope we get to see that. We got to, but who's <laughs> going to be wrestling considering we've already seen the commercials for it? Oh my God. If they bring in Don West to like <gasps> do commentary for Florida wrestling dystopia. That'd be funny. Oh man. I hope Don West is doing okay, by the way. Yeah, I like Don West. So that completes our section of character breakdowns here for this episode. And there are probably a few more characters that we'll meet along the way. There's a certain Ricky Rabies that we have yet to see. Very much looking forward to him. But for now, let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into the main story of the episode, which is really the feud between Jack and Ace for the DWL championship. Yeah, so so much of this episode is Jack trying to book this match. He's taking his laptop pretty much everywhere he goes. Maybe he's not taking it into the shower or into church. He wasted a lot of water, by he the way. He wasted a lot of water. I don't and know if he ever actually took a shower. You would think that his penny-pinching wife would have uh, told him to turn it off. Maybe they have well water, like my family. Now now we're, getting, now we're just getting into the fine details here. But yeah, he's he's just trying to find the perfect finish for this match. And the finish just keeps changing, as we see. And he's he even runs another finish by Big Jim. But... What we eventually see is him throwing all that out the window and going into business for himself, ultimately. Yeah, it's funny because he keeps asking, like, everyone who should win. He's asking his wife who should win. He's talking to Willie about it. He doesn't—I mean, he knows who who's going to win. It's him. <laughs> he knows who's going to win. Yeah, I don't think that's but, ever in question but, for him. like, there's just this constant question. Is it Ace's time to win? Should he wait his turn like everyone else? You know, and Jack's just like, what makes most sense for the story that I'm trying for to tell? For the narrative. <laughs> and he hits that yeah. T real hard. And it's like, buddy, you know what works for your narrative. It's you staying champion. <laughs> well, and this is where I kind of agree with him in one respect. And this mm -hmm. is kind of retroactively because at first he's just like, no, I win because I win. Right. And then it's like, no, I win because you're leaving. And I yeah. have a show to run next weekend and I have a promotion that I have to keep running and I need to pack these fans in and I need to keep telling a story. And if that doesn't include you, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you the belt so you can go walk out on NXT with the DWL championship yeah. as, as if anyone would give a shit. Right. Yeah. So like it's a case of 
you know, if Ace wins, you know, he looks great and he's leaving immediately after becoming champion. And maybe I don't think he'd take the belt with him. I don't think it'd be a case of that. But he would leave immediately. He made it really clear that he was going to go instantly. Well, if he loses, he just doesn't look as good. <laughs> Ultimately, I think what happened here is Ace screwed Ace. Yeah, because he 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 has like the biggest ego. He just he he doesn't really care what happens in Duffy, I don't think. And Jack is just constantly thinking about it because whatever happens, he's still he's still here. He's not going anywhere. He's not being scouted. Right. There's probably a lot of bitterness. <laughs> well, yeah, because Ace has to remind Jack right before they right in Gorilla, but right before they go out for the match. I win because I leave here. I get out of here and I go up north and you're just going to be here. And it's almost like this belt that Jack has mm -hmm. is this albatross that you kind of get the sense that, sure, he does want more. But also, he doesn't want to just go somewhere else. He wants more for the promotion. Right. But he's bound to this, this building, this very small fan base, but very loyal fan base, at least when they're interested in the product, when they have a guy like Ace around. But these autograph signings and the merch stands and this all looks like it has a kind of a rabid fan base. Mm -hmm. And it looks like this promotion does have a pulse. I'd be interested to see if we get to, you know, see a portrayal of what it was like before. Yeah. Before Ace came in for that comparison, because all we've ever seen is this promotion running on all cylinders. It sounds like even before Jack took control, the DWL wasn't really making a whole lot of money. He says, you know, my dad didn't know how to grow. I'm trying to grow, grow the DWL and get people to see it. So he's really, he's just really passionate about this specific promotion. And, and I think that's fine. I don't think every wrestler needs or wants to be in the big big leagues, but he wants to become the big league. <laughs> he, he thinks that the Duffy Wrestling League is going to become a nationwide, mm -hmm. if not international, promotion. Which I said before, with that name, no. <laughs> the Duffy Wrestling League. You're yeah, going to have to change it. That's another one of the things I've seen people dunking on, like the Duffy Wrestling League, LOL. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. I think that's what the show is trying to do. It's say, hey, no, this is not, <laughs> the potential is not there. <laughs> yeah. But this is a guy who's going to fight tooth and nail for this to the, you know, to the extreme of shooting on his own brother mm -hmm. during a main event title match and effectively killing his own town because yeah. they both get doused with trash after he shoots on Ace. The title match ends after like 20 seconds and that's it. Dead silence. Ace looks like a complete chump. It takes everyone out of the moment, takes everyone out of the match. They're all just, they, they seem more disappointed in Ace than anything. Right. And he's just kind of this laughingstock now who was screaming for his brother to stop hurting him like their kids playing in the backyard. It's great though, in the sense that we had Jack earlier saying that he always thought submission finishes were really like unrealistic. He thought they yeah. looked fake. And so he's tapping like, out. That's yeah, that's what I'm going to do here. And 
it's also interesting because previously we had Wild Bill talking to Ace being like, you have to, you know, show that you mean business here. So if your brother's not going to let you win this title, you you make him see you. Like, you stiff him in this match. And I think Jack probably felt like Ace might be doing something to him. Like, he didn't hear that conversation, but he knows Wild Bill's here. Something might happen in that match. Like, Ace might have done something to him. You can't trust people. I don't know if this was a well-thought-out decision for him. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been because it seems like he made it right then and there Mm -hmm. walking down the ramp to Hardcore Holly's theme. (laughs) Seriously, though, why did it sound so much like Hardcore Holly's theme? And it's like, of course. Like, of course, this guy, this bully would be coming out to Hardcore Holly's theme. Someone needs to ask (laughs) if that was on purpose. If that was intentional, yeah. Ace has got a, a, a pretty fun theme, though. It's like a very a throwback to 80s metal, like just the vocals and the lyrics. You know, it's great. It's it's fun. It's And again, completely different sides of the mm-hmm. same very stubborn and stupid coin. But you got to wonder now with Ace looking like a chump and you, you got to figure that that spot up north is off the table because <laughs> word's going to get around And who's going to want to book this guy? Who's going to want to work with this guy? (laughs) And Jack now has the tough task of bringing people back into the building and telling them a story that they want to see play out in front of them after this colossal disappointment in the main event of this big show that everyone's been looking forward to because they have a red hot baby face and he just killed Mm -hmm. it. So you got to think that Florida wrestling dystopia is just like foaming at the mouth. Like Charlie Gully, he's probably just ready to, oof, he's ready to swoop in. <laughs> well, this is bad for Jack, of course, professionally, but, you know, think about it personally. His mom's probably going to kill him. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about their mom. She She's this very religious woman. She makes them go to church every Sunday, I think. And the day of the match, they're leaving church, and she's saying, you guys got to be good to each other. What the world needs now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what, that's she, what she says. Said. And here he just completely screws his brother. So I imagine mom's going to have some words. Yes. I'm sure. There will be hell to pay. Um, Literally, because she's very religious. She's Yeah, she's very religious. But, I mean, so he's going to be hearing it from, from Ace. He's going to be hearing it from his wife. I'm sure he's going to be hearing it from Willie. His son? His son. <laughs> I, I'd love to see his son just walk up to him and like kick him. Ooh. <laughs> Punch him in the balls. <laughs> he, I don't think he, he, he tries not to sell it because he's so stubborn, but it really hurts. <laughs> I would, That'd be funny. <laughs> That's yeah. what we need in this show. But so he's, he's going to be hearing about it from... And from the fans. And and the fans. And the fans. Because he has to live in this town. He doesn't go. And will the fans vote with their wallets? And and like this is something, you know, as a heel, booing him is fine. You know, and it it is funny. We didn't talk about this, but he's like, oh, this town. I grew up in this town. You guys suck. And it's like, you live here, buddy. You never left. But he's going to have to deal with that every single day. Yep. He doesn't get to just leave town and go to another promotion like, you know, another independent, like maybe Ricky Rabies could. He doesn't have that opportunity. He's stuck here. And he's going to have to, you know, pay for that. Yeah. He he made his bed. 
the fallout from this just on all fronts on the family front you know his his mother his brother mm-hmm. his marriage his, his his kid yeah and his fan base of the business he's trying to run uh, that has me just very curious to see what happens in the next episode and where we go from here because there are just so many factors now yeah. that it's only episode one and we've already completely like blown up the entire, <laughs> you know, blown up the the map and all the pieces are all scattered all over. So a very, you know, a, a cliffhanger of an ending, really. Really, yeah. And and I think, I think, you know, I was saying that there's nothing that's really like hooked, hooked me, like not like hook Taz son level <laughs> of hook, but like the more that I talk about it, the more I'm actually talking myself into like, yeah, this is hook Taz son <laughs> level hook for me. No, yeah, it it definitely has me wondering where can they go from here because Jack's the guy who's you stick, you stick with my script. Do not go off the script. And he does the ultimate going off the script here. How is he going to come back from that? On from all angles, it seems impossible. So for them to do that on the very first episode, how is that not a hook? It, you know, you got to wonder what what's going to happen because these two are going to obviously for the rest of the season be on being the DWL. So how do you come back? We'll find out. <laughs> same Duffy time, same Duffy <laughs> channel. <laughs> really, though, there's a lot to think about here going into the next episode. So I'm just I'm you know what? I've actually come around. I am full on excited. I'm not just looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm I'm along for the ride here. I'm willing to go wherever they take me with this show. And I think even just reflecting on it now after the fact has made me actually appreciate the pilot more than I even did after we watched it. Having some time to kind of sit with my thoughts on it and now discuss it with you, I think uh, I think I'm even more into it than I thought I was. It's a really smart show. I with think. really dumb characters. With really dumb characters, except for Crystal. Except for Crystal, she's great. Well, she's a little dumb. She's but, getting there. But, but, she's getting but there. But it's okay. It's not her fault. She's just from a. She's from Duffy. She's, she's getting from there. Duffy, Georgia. Which makes me wonder where did she train? That's an interesting where point. Where did she go? I want a lot of Crystal backstory. <sighs> Crystal, give her a whole episode where we get to explore her kind of journey, where she came from, where she trained. We know where she came from, but like yeah. her background, her her upbringing, where she trained. I want to see footage of young Crystal watching the matches, like she said. Mm-hmm. We know from scrolling through IMDb, and this is potential spoilers, so cover your ears for I, about 10 seconds. I but don't know. We know that there will be a young Ace and young Jack at some point. So oh, Of course. And there is an actor cast as their father. I mean, we've seen from photos on the walls and things like that, but will we see perhaps some footage of Tom the King Spade in future episodes? I think we have to. I think that'd be very interesting. I think that'd be cool. And it'd be cool to also see flashbacks to a young Wild Bill. I think, yeah, I think you have to have the two together because their careers, their lives were so intertwined. They had a very pivotal feud. Yeah. It seemed like with their, they had some ladder matches or at least one ladder match that we know of for the title that kind of was a springboard for Wild Bill. They're on the billboard together. The Wild Billboard. Yeah, (laughs) the Wild Billboard together in Duffy. So I feel like you can't have flashbacks with Tom and not include Wild Bill. Well, we shall see. A lot still up in the air. A very exciting 
closing to this pilot. So we are very much looking forward to episode two. Any final thoughts, though, just about any of this before we get out of here? I'm on the Crystal Defense Squad. I'm the leader of it. I think she just deserves better. That's my big takeaway. Okay. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll co-sign that. And I'm also on the Charlie Gully defense squad, although I don't think he doesn't think, need defending. I don't I don't <laughs> think he needs it, but I just uh Florida Wrestling Dystopia, the more I the more I say it out loud and think about it, the more I'm just endlessly fascinated by <laughs> <laughs> this little and I don't I don't know how much we will actually get of Florida wrestling dystopia, but the more the better. So bring it on. That's we have what, to that, get a good amount. That's, that's what I say. They can't tease us like that. They can't they can't <laughs> do that to us, but that'll do it for this episode of Pro Wrestling Repackaged. Thank you so much for listening. And we want to hear your thoughts. What did you think of the series premiere of Heels? Let us know. Tweet us. Send us a comment on Instagram. You can find us at PWRepackaged on both. You can also email us at PWRepackaged at gmail.com. And if you liked this and you want to hear more, please subscribe. And we would really appreciate it if you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Stitcher or any other platform where you can do so. Join us next time as we discuss Season 1, Episode 2 of Heels. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PWRepackaged and email us at PWRepackaged at gmail.com. Subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. And visit PWRepackaged.crd.co for links to everything. If you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or any other platform that features reviews. Pro Wrestling Repackaged is a Multitrack Minds production. Visit multitrackminds.com for projects and audio production services by yours truly.